Well, hello there, traveller. Coming in from the cold, we've got a nice warm fire going. Welcome to the Hearth and Tone Tavern. Can I pour you a cup of something hot? We've also got some wonderful books here if you're interested. After all, there's nothing better than curling up by the fire with a hot drink and a good book. It's true! And we've been reading some really good books lately. So why not pull up a chair and let us tell you all about them? Hello and welcome to the Hearth and Tome podcast, a monthly book club hosted by me, Eve Handyside, I use any pronouns. And me, Phoenix Arden, I use they, them pronouns. Welcome back to the tavern. This month, we're discussing A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking by T. Kingfisher. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. This was I a had good a great one. time. I, I had a lot of fun with this book. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, right off the bat, we'll once again say we are using the Copile system by Book Roast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it breaks books down into seven different categories. You rate each category out of ten, add it all up, divide by seven, you get an overall score. The categories are characters, atmosphere, writing style, plot, intrigue, logic, and enjoyment. So, um, oh, and obviously we should say before we get started properly that there will be spoilers, of course for A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking in this episode. So if you want to avoid the spoilers, you know, pause, listen to the book, listen to the book, read the book. You can listen to the book if you want. Yeah, go do read whatever it. you want with the book. Go, go, you know, consume the book if that's what it mm. takes. Um, Eat it. I want you to. I've lost track of what I was saying. Yes, uh, there's spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there are major spoilers. Go away, come back. We're talking... All things. Mm. All things is book. All things. It was fantastic. Yes. Spoiler, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, what was your yeah. overall score? So, mine was a 9.14. Wow! Yeah, this is the highest I've given a book. Yeah, and I think... Like, so far. I think this is now the first time that you've scored a book higher than I have. Re- you scored this lower than me? Oh no. I've scored it at oh, 8.6. I had such a good time. I had such a good time. I think this book might also be the first time that I've rated it higher for, like, going through it copile, proportionally Mm -hmm. higher than the star rating I gave it on Storygraph. Wow, okay. What did you give it star rating, boys? Uh, 4.25. 4.25? I gave it a full five. I, I I was a simp for this book. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were some things I liked, some some things that I didn't love. Yeah. Um but we'll there, get I into have, that. <laughs> I have some major gripes, but I had a great time. Anyway, yes. The book is about um a young wizard's guide to defensive baking. We meet Mona, a magicker of limited or so talent. Uh she's a young baker. She can only act her powers on yeast, flour, dough, that kind of stuff. She can keep pastries from burning, encourage them to be light and airy, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, she works in her really aunt. Her, yeah, it's so cute. It's such a cute premise. She's only 14? 14, 14, 14 yeah. Like um, um, and she works at her aunt Tabitha's bakery. Um, yes. But this is this is totally not a spoiler, but the first, it's literally the first page, that she's accused of murder because there's a dead body found in the bakery. 
and yeah, she's the only she, one in the bakery she goes into the bakery one morning at like 4 a.m like she always does to start you yeah. know the prep for the day and she finds a dead body of a young girl mm-hmm. uh, on the floor in the bakery and one thing leads to another and she ends up accused of having murdered this young girl yeah um she gets taken before the duchess of the city who is then like no she clearly didn't murder this young girl she's 14 (laughs) (laughs) and then when she returns home she starts to hear rumors about a killer going around targeting magic folk yeah uh, and then called the she spring ends green up, man yeah the spring green man uh, and <laughs> she ends up being like for various reasons being like the one of the last wizards in the city yeah and she has to help defend the city against mm-hmm. an invasion yeah um, such a girl boss <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's quite quite something yeah um so why don't we just jump right in and go through all our cop-out stages? Yeah, let's. Sounds fantastic. Uh, character, what did you give it? Character, I gave it a 10. I gave it a 9. I <laughs> had no notes on the characters. I think they really? were all fantastic. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed all of them. I that's, really liked them too. That's all I, I have to say, really. <laughs> that's it? Oh, wow, okay. Damn, I've got notes. Okay. Um, okay. I really, really loved the characters in this book, mainly mm. because of like Mona's reluctant hero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she she makes multiple snappy remarks at both like the Duchess and like I think I can't remember is it Joshua who is like the the head guard or something? Is it Joshua? Yeah, or... I think it's Lord Guard like Joshua. That. Yes. Um, she makes snappy remarks of like I don't want to do this, but you're making me do this. Because she's yeah. 14, and that is, like, the chosen one not wanting to be the chosen one, and I love that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great to see. I loved... Is it Mag? The... the Nag. Almost there. The the disgruntled, like, ride the horse person who literally can resurrect oh. dead horses. <laughs> Knackering Molly, she's called. Knackering Molly. Knackering Molly Best. is another one of the magic folk. She's another wizard. And her Best specific tor- type of magic is that she can she can command dead horses. Um, Best character. So she's called Knackering Molly because people hire her to take their dead horses to the knackers, yeah. who are people who, you know, deal with dead horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and her powers she has are a, so cool. She has a dead horse that she rides around on called Nag. Who's literally bones with bits of flesh hanging off of him. Like that's so gory and I loved him. <laughs> I thought I did I thought he didn't There's have any flesh left. I thought he just was, was like no bones. Left? I'm pretty sure he's bones and then she's covered him in like hay and stuff to make him like Oh yeah and bits of and, like, like bits of uh, fabric sheet and stuff. Yeah. Him, yeah. But all I know is they smell and that's so funny. <laughs> um yeah, I loved them so much. I I, I cried. Oh, at the yeah. end when they died oh, yeah. that was that was heart-wrenching absolutely because like for 90 percent of this book they're not in it and i love them yeah, so much knackering molly turns up every now and again and you get little bits of uh, yeah. her personality and bits of her character and then at the end during her... this battle mona is like almost out of magic 
and mm. knackering Molly saves the day by charging like all of the dead horses in the city at the invading army, which kills a lot mm-hmm. of them and freaks out the ones who do survive. And yeah. uh, the sheer amount of magic that she used kills her. Um, yeah. It's very beautiful and very sad. It's, I was so devastated. There, the, I, the, I, I did a cute. Um, a, this is like for the Instagram. I did a cute little like video of me reading the thing. I had to cut out because I, I started crying yeah. on camera. So I have visual footage of me weeping over this scene, which is great. I think. Um, um no, I loved her so and much. She has a really interesting arc as well because it's mentioned at one point that she yeah. had served in the army at one point. Yeah, and. Because, like, in this world, the very higher up, kind of, like, the most, the magical people who the government deem as, like, the most, like, cool yeah. magic or, like, not cool Powerful. Magic, but you know what I mean. Like, powerful magic. They get, like, inscripted into the army. Um, and she didn't want to, but she was made to go anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, and her whole arc with that is, oh, it was devastating. Yeah. Um, so for, and she talks a lot about how she doesn't trust, like, the government and yeah. stuff. So for her to be the one who gives up her life to save the city is a very powerful moment. It was was so beautiful. Oh, um, I did have like some qualms Mm. with characters. I think there's, um, there was like I think there was a typo (laughs) where the uncle is called. I don't know if this is just in my copy or something, but the the uncle is called the wrong name. Oh. And I can't remember where I found it. It was called like Ethan at one point. Interesting. Or E something. It was I was like, who is this man? <laughs> and it was just after they we'd also just discussed his um trauma of also being mm. in the army, which also had me crying. And then I was just like, Who's who's Ethan? <laughs> who is who is this man? But no, that that's fair enough. This is self published. So things all slip mm-hmm. through. <laughs> but um it was just it was a little bit funny. But I also really wanted to see more of Bob. Where, where, like, I noted every time Bob was in the book and, like, yeah, he was really prevalent at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Um, big magic battle. He was used as a slingshot <laughs> down onto yeah. the people trying to climb Bob, over the walls. for context. To, like, burn Bob them. Bob is, is, is a sourdough starter that Mona accidentally <laughs> brought to life a long time ago. Um, yeah. And he's now somewhat sentient, basically, and... Yeah. When he is angry, he's sort of, like, acidic and can, like, yeah. burn through stuff. And so mm-hmm. Mona has the idea to put a bunch of little bits of Bob in jars and fire them at the invading army and just which just so unleash funny. him upon them, which is very funny. It, well, no wonder he's acidic. They've been feeding him fish. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, bits of bone and stuff from the kitchen. What do they expect him to be made out of at that point? <laughs> it's gross, and I love him. But, like, where was he for 90% well, of the he book? was in the basement of the of the bakery. <laughs> yeah. And? He's, he's a big sourdough they, starter in, like, a barrel. She can't exactly lug him around yeah. the whole time. Nah, she needs, like, a backpack. <laughs> carry him around. But, like, yeah... I I just I had noted down I every time he showed up, but then I started just noting down every time gingerbread were mm. mentioned because that was they were more kind of like 
Her gingerbread army was yes. more prevalent. I think her gingerbread army. Was I so think cute. that is one of the weird things because on the blurb of the book, it's like she's got a sourdough starter familiar, and then it feels like mm-hmm. she has this one gingerbread man who is with her for most of the book, who she like Which, animated through her magic, yeah. and then he gradually gets like more and more intelligent the more time she's yeah. got him animated, and I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why isn't this the thing that's described as her familiar? Because this is her familiar, exactly. not Bob. Because, like, a gingerbread familiar also sounds like the similar vein, also really funny. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have thought they would pick the gingerbread man over the and Dodo, The gingerbread man is on the cover. <laughs> yeah. And, like, no, it's, it's not even, like, the main gingerbread man. It's the ones they make evil true, at the yeah. end by adding spice to them. <laughs> <laughs> this is true which is so funny i do they just add like stupid stuff to the recipe to make them evil yeah it was definitely um loved it the i know this is sort of going out of character but the mm-hmm. the the preparations and uh happenings of the big battle towards the end with mm-hmm. all of her like all of the mm-hmm. ideas that she comes up with and all of her creations is just incredible. It's one of my favourite bits of the book. It's so Because they're just like, good. how can we use bread to defend a city? How can we use dough? And so, like like you said, they make like this little army of evil gingerbread men. <laughs> they literally go into, like, sneak into the camp and cause yep. havoc, tie people's shoes together, or just try and beat them up. And then they make... Like these tiny gingerbread men. They also have, men. I think, five, like, giant gingerbread men. A la Shrek 2, of course. Um, (laughs) Except five of them. um, Yeah. That are used uh, in in the battle. Not my buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. Well, you know there's that bit where they're like, they've got the giant gingerbread man, he like pulls down the door in Shrek 2, and then weird, weird human Shrek, I need a hero. Yeah. I need a, (laughs) yes. I could just hear that. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the song, because it's, it's definitely giving a oh, Shrek vibe through the entire thing. Must have been at least partially inspired by that. Right. Exactly. I mean, where did where did T. Kingfisher get the inspiration to, like, just, like, start, you know, baking as, like, um, for stuff for this book for research? Mm-hmm. They're, wa- they're watching mm-hmm. Shrek. Mm-hmm. They're watching oh, yeah. Shrek. 100%. With, 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 with Chad face <laughs> Shrek. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway... Um, but yeah, I I I just wanted more mm-hmm. Bob, a little bit more Bob. I do I did love him, it, quite intensely. <laughs> he was great, and oh, he was such a little guy. And I loved that. This is like far away from like uh, him being a little guy. Is I love the adults all had to apologize to children yes. throughout the entire thing. This is like that was a so big fun. Theme of the book is. Yeah. Is Mona basically being like, like people call Mona a hero, and she's like, I mm. shouldn't have to be a hero. You should all be doing exactly. your jobs so that I don't, but I could just live in a bakery. I shouldn't have to save yeah. the city. I'm 14. And that is yeah. a really, like, great, like, thing. Because there's so much, there's so much children's literature that is about children saving the world. And that's fine, because, you know, yeah. kids got imaginations like it's fun to imagine that you're saving the world but i really like that this one's like but why why is it left to the 14 year old exactly i did i did really appreciate that because like the first time she meets the duchess the duchess breaks down and is just so sorry (laughs) 
that she cannot do anything about like the injustices that are happening to like is it the magickers yeah. what they're called the magickers in the society and that was just so kind of, that was like a bit chilling because i was like that's that's so that's so mm. cool that they're doing that that they're going into that stuff i loved it every yeah. minute that they they just really couldn't fix the mistakes and only Mona could with their little with their little men. <laughs> uh, oh, oh! I found the note. The un- uncle Albert is called Earl. Oh, briefly. Interesting. That's it. I can't remember what page it is, but he's called Earl. Weird. Um. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. Nope. Atmosphere. 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 I ten. Oh, I gave this one a nine. So we've swapped. Oh, we swapped. Oh, I loved this book. I I felt I was in it. Mm-hmm. The use of baking was so mm-hmm. fun. There is a few mistakes about how things are made, but you know what? I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, the I didn't care the one vibes bit. Are really it was good. so fun. The atmosphere mm-hmm. is is really well done. I think the mm-hmm. the reason I took a point off is because there were some points in the book where um like other areas of the world were like talked about but it was i feel like there's there's references to this being like just one obviously just one city in a much bigger world yeah but i don't feel like the rest of the world is is described in a way that like gives it any real context i feel like Mm -hmm. it's talked about and just sort of thrown at you like place names and stuff um, yeah. without giving you very much actual context about like where those places are in relation to the city yeah. or like what's going on in the world um, it was just a bit it, it, it was... felt like it felt like she was trying to do like big fantasy novel world building but mm-hmm. in this book and I love this book it's not a big fantasy novel right like that's not what it is No. Um, but it no. felt like T. Kingfisher was trying to give it like the the sort of world building that a big fantasy novel would have where you're expecting like a big world with lots of places yeah and i feel like really you could have cut out a lot of the references to the outside world and just had it entirely about the city and this like invading force Mm -hmm. and it would have made more sense because there was like stuff they could have like investigated inside the city like where knackering molly's Mm. from they don't really go there an awful lot even though she does hide out (laughs) in there for quite a bit of the book she doesn't leave um is it a clock no it's the monastery yeah she's she stays in a church tower because she goes into hiding yeah um because Mm -hmm. the the bad guy uh inquisitor oberon who is the one who accused Mm -hmm. her of murdering this other young girl he has like instituted Mm -hmm. all these laws about how like magickers should register and all this stuff and um Awful. puts up all these wanted posters for her like saying that she was you know a murderer and a traitor and all this shit um yeah so she goes into hiding in a church tower for most of the book or for a good mm-hmm. chunk of the book anyway i quite like that yeah i usually don't like it when they're in hiding and nothing happens i actually really liked what she was thinking. i think it was a really good uh thing because it gives her time to develop her magic and to like experiment with her magic mm-hmm. and it gives her time to be like thinking and eventually she just hits this point where she's like i have to do something i'm gonna go get i'm gonna go find the duchess and tell her what's going on and then she does Mm -hmm. and the duchess of course breaks down and all that like we've talked about yeah yeah 
and like I just I, I just I just loved I I did have a qualm with some of like the areas and stuff because like how the hell did they get away from like guards down this like sewer system <laughs> <laughs> but um because that's gross mm-hmm. as hell but I I genuinely generally really liked it and I love it when people go to monasteries or there's like uh, religious settings and books that it's not and it's not religious mm-hmm. heavy and it's so fun to just be in that kind of like mm-hmm. area and like it wasn't the the um the priest blind or something yeah there's 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 like really two priests in this church one of whom has allowed her to stay there mm-hmm. and the other one isn't supposed mm-hmm. to know that she's there and uh, mm-hmm. as she's sneaking out he like talks to her and it's revealed that he is blind and deaf so he couldn't have really known she was there but he kind of did which is fun yeah oh uh quickly before Mm -hmm. we do um the i going back to your thing about how there was other countries mentioned it did give if you've not listened to it go back and listen to a natural history of dragons because it gave that kind of vibe with talking about other places and you didn't go there or had nothing to do with the story Take take other places out if they're not relevant. Either take them out or, or even give them context. Just give them name dropping them yeah. for the sake of trying to gesticulate towards a wider world isn't enough. You need to either yes. make it feel like there is a wider world, or just ignore the wider world mm-hmm. entirely and focus on the bit that your story's saying. And I think this mm-hmm. and a natural history of dragons both sort of fell into this trap of trying to suggest that there's a wider world without really putting in the effort yeah. to developing that mm-hmm. um, so I think that was yeah it's the same sort of vibe yeah yeah. that's, that's all I all I left I had to say about atmosphere it was just that yeah. point <laughs> uh, yeah. so writing style then writing style 9 I gave it a 7 a 7 yes I see First person writing styles, I'm not usually keen on. I'm more of a third person person. <laughs> <laughs> a third person person? Um, um, I usually gravitate more towards a third person narrative storyline. I just think sometimes they're done better because you can see into multiple people's heads. But I loved how they did this. I loved solely hearing through mm. Mona's uh, mm. eyes. Um, I thought she was very sassy, very snappy with everyone in yep. her life, not just her aunt, uncle, and the duchess, also her friends. I forgot the Spindle. little boy's name. I've just realised I've not... T- Spindle. Spindle. I'm going to write that down because I haven't written that down. How did I forget him? Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I, I loved her. I just loved the main character, and I think that's probably why I loved mm-hmm. this writing style so much. Uh, yeah. yeah, I... I think the writing style was good, but yeah. firstly, okay. um, uh-huh. I felt like at times I wasn't sure, and it felt like T. Kingfisher wasn't sure whether this book was mm-hmm. supposed to be YA or middle grade. Because there's yeah. times where it feels like it's meant to be YA, and there's times where it feels like it's meant to be middle grade, but it's, it's too, like dark and grown up to be properly middle grade but it's also too sort of childish mm-hmm. to be like fully white like not childish that's not the right word but it feels too much like a middle grade book in terms of like what happens and the kids saving the world to be YA and it's in this sort of weird middle ground and I feel like the book might have yeah. been stronger 
if she had just picked one and committed. Yeah. Um. So that was my that was the one sto- of my big problems with the writing style. No, absolutely. This, I, I, I did not realize that this was technically both, because it won awards for both uh-huh. a young adult award and a middle grade award. Yeah. So, I yeah, I absolutely agree that it should have probably swayed one way or the other. I did read it more as a kind of middle grade because I just felt it sounded more like I, a you know Grimm's uh-huh. fairy tales. It felt like one. Of I them. think. A little bit. A lot of the tone feels really middle grade, uh-huh. but then a lot of the like yeah. themes feel much more YA. I, and I definitely think there is death. there is room, and it is important to have books that like sort of fill that gap between middle grade and mm-hmm. YA. But I don't think this mm-hmm. is a good way to do it because what this feels like is like T. King Fisher was writing a middle grade book and a YA book at the same time, and just sort of smooshed them. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it was really strange because I didn't expect this to get so stake-driven, Yeah, if that makes sense. Because I didn't expect there to be an actual like full-on army invasion because mm. that's not what I thought this book was going to be about. Sure, I thought it was going to be more about like just her coming into her powers, maybe, maybe saving the Duchess from one assassination or uh-huh. something. Not an entire bloody continent. <laughs> charging at this little town um and she has to literally kill people (laughs) i i didn't i didn't expect Mm. that at all from what this was um blurbed and what this was like pushed as it was a bit it's not very clear i i will completely agree it's not very clear what what demographic it's made for and um yeah the invading army is is actually the the other issue I had with this book because oh, the the invading army is a mercenary army yeah called yeah the Carex or possibly Carex. Yes. My issue is that Carex is a brand of hand sanitizer. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but when you're talking about the Carex approaching, I'm like, what's this got to do with hand sanitizer? I had to keep reminding myself that they are the mercenaries. So, and it wouldn't have taken long, frankly, yeah. for the author to just quickly Google Carex and see if it might have any connotations. Yeah. I don't know if maybe Carex also- isn't a thing in the US, but just Googling it, you would have found that it's a brand of hand sanitizer and gone, maybe I shouldn't name yeah. my, my uh, like, villain mercenary army this. Because it's yeah. hard to find them threatening when they've got like a yeah. soap brand name on them, they they just want to clean ninety nine point nine percent of your bacteria. Okay, they're just they're trying to be helpful. They're being COVID safe. Okay, they're just trying to protect us. Um, no, oh, yeah, I I it was so funny reading that and be like, what? why is their hand sanitizer invading? But it's also because in Game of Thrones, there's a dragon called Caraxes. And it's the exact same oh. spelling, <laughs> but just with like an S uh-huh. on the end. And I was like, "This is just some really angry, fire-breathing hand sanitizer <laughs> charging in this town." <laughs> <laughs> that Bob is that Bob is dissolving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a bit weird. Yeah, and, um, it was. I I I feel like it wouldn't have taken much to just make sure that you're not calling your Marston because obviously, yeah. like you know, there's so many brand names on words that, like, 
are already mm-hmm. a thing. I'm not saying that you should always use mm-hmm. a word that isn't already a thing, but at the very least, try and find something that doesn't feel like it's like totally the opposite vibe from what you're intending. If you've got a mercenary yeah. brand, a mercenary army, and you're naming them something that is already a product, that's fine, so long as that product isn't yeah. soap, because that does not feel threatening. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, this is like not from this book, but there was like a book I read ages ago that the main villain was named after a box of tissues. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, he's just snotty. He just wants a tissue, oh, guys. No. Yeah, I just, just, just. <laughs> it was so take funny. Take five minutes, do your research, people. That's yeah. that's all I ask because it really pulled me out yeah. of the book a lot. <laughs> um, that kind of brings us swiftly onto the plot. Yeah, I think, which I also gave a nine. I gave this. it an eight for this one. Oh, perfect! I loved the plot. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. We we've said our qualms with the 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 epic battle and the town yep. people and all that jazz and the invaders of you know sanitation. Um. I I genuinely loved it. Yeah, I think the plot was yeah. was strong. I particularly liked mm-hmm. the the role of the Duchess in the plot. I liked that absolutely you know, they because um, Mona is brought before her by the Inquisitor guy right at the start of the book, and the Duchess sort of dismisses it and is like, clearly this kid did not murder anybody, uh, but doesn't really look yeah. at Mona, doesn't pay her any attention. Uh, and then later in the book, after Mona's been stewing in a tower for a little while, she she and Spindle climb up the Duchess's toilet um, to to tell her what's going on. And I really liked the Duchess's arc from that point, where she absolutely she turns from this like, oh, I've not been doing enough, and she like she mm-hmm. takes command. And then in the final battle, absolutely. she's there. She's not, like, staying uh-huh. in the castle, like, commanding from afar. Her and fucking Aunt Tabitha put on armour and are like, come on then, guys, let's get to it. And I really think that Absolutely. the Duchess's role of of um, properly... Like, she admits her responsibility, she admits her failings, and she takes leadership. Like, she she changes mm-hmm. and she takes command and she's like, okay... I have been failing, but this is my opportunity to do better. And she does. And I think that was really she good. she does. And she kicks ass. And I, I, I pulled a quote just for just for, for the Duchess. Mm. Because she, she, she battles mm-hmm. at some point. She actually goes in and fights people. And she does what is called the battle can-can. <laughs> where she just starts can-can dancing and kicking people. And it was my favourite yep. thing she's ever yep. done. It was it, I I I literally actually wrote in the book <laughs> <laughs> and just wrote iconic next to her because that was just so funny yeah. and she really she really really did pick up because I she went from this horrible kind of like well not horrible but mysterious kind of like offhandish yeah, sort kind of, of like, like brush things off kind distant, of monarch not paying to, attention sort of figure yeah to like iconic bitch yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she she kills it, and I love her. Oh my gosh! But I did think I did have a a, a little bit of an issue. I felt like there were yes. a couple of little sort of plot holes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, firstly, the <laughs> uh, 
not long after Mona first gets like uh, released from being accused of murder, the mm-hmm. the army, the army of wizards, like led by the most powerful wizard, Lord Ethan, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, they like ride out to go fight off the fucking Carex mercenaries. Um, and then, uh, it's revealed that like they've been given false information that the Carex are actually like approaching the city, and then uh, the reason that Mona has to help defend the city is because somehow the army can't get back quick enough. And I was just a bit like, are mm-hmm. you seriously telling me that an, a literal army entirely composed of wizards doesn't have one wizard who could move them faster? Who could make it so that they don't right. take three days to get back to the city? It just it right. felt a bit weird that there wasn't any He's... wizard there who could have come back and helped. Right? Because Lord Ethan has... Was it lightning mm-hmm. powers? And like every time I've seen like read or seen someone in media that has lightning powers, they can always travel by lightning. They can move like the electricity in their body to make them either faster or fly or, you know, do all that kind of cool stuff. Where was yeah. he? Uh yeah. Why <laughs> and he can cast from far away as well. Yeah, it just it so just why felt not just like like a weird way to to set yeah. up Mona having to defend the city. Right? Like I, I understand yeah. from a story point of view why you want Mona to be the one defending the city. That's your whole theme of your book. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. I feel like there's ways to set that up that don't involve being like, eh, the wizards just are too slow. Exactly. That just felt a bit meh. Because like the dead sister who dies at the start of the book, I can't remember yeah, right I can't now, either. but she travels by shadow or something. She's very sneaky. That insinuates there's people who can like move silently, sneakily, fast. Yeah. And you're telling me there's there's uh, having all these conscript conscripted magickers. There's not a single one who can move fast. Yeah, it just felt weird, especially considering that these are supposed yeah. to be like the most powerful magic users from right. the city, and none and... of them have anything that can make them like travel back. Because even exactly. if you can't and move the whole army actually... back, surely one wizard could come back and help. <laughs> yeah. And don't actually we only meet, like, two really powerful wizards. The water guy and the lightning guy. The water guy dies. Forgot his name. He was so... He was a baby girl. I loved him so much. <laughs> he was in it for a chapter and he was great. I loved yeah, him. he was he, really he influential. Thrived. I really liked the way he, he so... like, impacts on Mona and then gets killed. Right. <laughs> Because he was almost kind of like granddad day to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. He was like, you're doing great, sweetie. And like showing her that even like the littlest power can have like... Because his power isn't that huge. It's yeah. literally just like uh, sending messages via water. And he was just so sweet. And then he gets stabbed. Yeah. But we only actually meet two big magicker users. Where are the rest of them if yeah. they're meant to have... It's just much power. It just felt very weird. Yeah. Um, and the other big plot hole that I that I felt was weird was the fact that the like the spring green man could apparently yeah. like because right near the start of the book, after she comes back from being accused of murder, knackering Molly mm-hmm. says to Mona, she's like, the spring green man is going around murdering our people, mm-hmm. and it feels weird that somehow 
nobody else has noticed. Yeah. It just was like, it just didn't feel right that that nobody other than other magic users had noticed that magic users were all just weirdly disappearing. Because, like, Mona does a ton of, like, uh, dances of her gingerbread men to people. Yep. Surely, like, they must... They, they they start becoming off off standing or something uh, to her, but like they never actually say anything about people getting murdered or her aunt and uncle never notice. Yeah, it it's, just feels it's really strange that like a like a a murder fucking spree mm-hmm. somehow isn't noticed in a city. Just it it felt like a weird little plot hole. Yeah. But I think that most of the plot was strong. Yes, it really was. I had a great time. <laughs> um, I I loved all of Spindle, all mm-hmm. of his kind of like traipsing around the town. Every time they had to like the the time they had to break into the shop to mm-hmm. find clues that you're breaking into the place that you work is just so funny. <laughs> Going in at a time that you would normally go in at. Just to look for like dead body clues, so fun. Yeah. Um, Spindle's whole arc is so adorable as well, becoming like kind of like the stepson to her yeah. um, uncle and aunt as well. So cute. He deserves the whole world. <laughs> He's a little angel. Um, he doesn't want to be there because of the frilly bed sheets. Yeah. And that just makes me so happy. <laughs> it's really um, sweet. Yeah. So it's so so sweet. I. Some of the, I just think the stakes might have been it might have been better if the stakes were brought down just a little bit. Yeah, just a, a smidge, bit. just a smidge, because it was a lot to it's a lot to put on a fourteen year old. Intrigue, shall we? Intrigue, intrigue, absolutely. I gave ten. it a nine. Oh, you give it a nine? Oh, yeah. down. I gave it a ten. Okay. I loved it. I mean, I kept I, read... I kept reading it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only reason I I dropped a point was because there's some books right where you you just cannot put them down and when you do put Mm -hmm. them down while you're doing other stuff your brain is like go read your book you really want to know what's happening (laughs) i didn't feel that way with this one like while i was reading it i was having a great time but i didn't Uh have that like desire to just be constantly going back and reading it you didn't think of it when you weren't reading it yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. But while I was reading it, I was like gripped. It's just that yeah. I could put it down and not be like, I need to I need to keep reading because I need to I need yeah. to know. Uh, I, I so get it, that. It, it loses a point on that one for that. I think because it was kind of like at the beginning and the middle bit is kind of like kind of cozy, not too high stakes. It's probably easier to put it a bit down. But mm-hmm. um I read it in two days, I had a great time. But, um, <laughs> I I Purely because I was like, I need to know what happens to Bob. He's a little. He's a. He's so acidic. What's What's he made out of at this point? He's probably got bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and it was just purely because I got through the first two hundred pages in like one day, was hmm. the pure reason why I went back and did it because the sad moments made me physically cry and I was just like I'm going to I'm going to cry more. Let me, let me go back. I want some tears. It's time it's fair, time to go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's a good book. I It is. It yeah. is a good book. People fight through it for a good reason. Hmm. Um there's not much we can really 
else want to say about intrigue no i don't think so no because because we, we liked it <laughs> go read yep. it if you haven't um logic logic and <laughs> um, i gave it an eight for logic i gave it a seven interesting interesting because i also noticed that the the magicka users where were they there's a distinct lack of magicka users yeah <laughs> so that was my qualm also mm-hmm. we never really got a full explanation of how her powers worked only that she needs to touch the dough and stuff and think rise or something she needs to think command words mm-hmm. or something like that um to make it work great I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about how knackering Molly does her magic. Or, um, I really liked how the sister's magic was described that we never got actual details about hers. I kind of like that because it's mysterious. Yeah. It's, it's cool as hell. Um, but, you know, there was, it just felt there was something a little bit missing from the magic system that I can't quite pinpoint. Yeah. But it's somewhere in there. I think it's, it's sort of like, on one hand, it sort of makes sense because she's 14. Yeah. Um, so, she, you know, obviously she's not already going to know everything. But, like, I just think... I think it would have been good if, in the writing, there had been more about her magic. Yeah. Like, obviously it's from her point of view. She doesn't know how it works. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked more about her just more about her magic like more about not necessarily like physically how it works Mm -hmm. but about like what it what it's like for her doing the Mm -hmm. magic Mm -hmm. what does it feel like like she um during the big battle she's very um drained and Mm -hmm. i think someone holds her up because she collapses or something Mm -hmm. um more of kind of like how that feels day to day Especially having a familiar walk around with you, how it feels to have a familiar. Can you sense them? Can you tell where they are? We can't. She can't tell where Bob is. Obviously, she doesn't know how Bob is at all. Uh-huh. But like, um, how it uh, does the thought of having no connection to your familiar and stuff like that. I, I, I there was. I wanted that little bit extra for a description of her powers. Yeah, and then the other, the other point, the the other reason it, it's. A, an eight for me is the the same plot holes I talked about in plot. Yeah, and I put them in logic yeah. as well because it felt like not only were they plot holes, but they were like failures of the logic of the world. Yeah, just didn't feel right. So yeah, it was also. <laughs> um, I I just realized I noted this down, but it was also the kind of like. How bad are the guards in this city? <laughs> what kind of social structure structure does this guard system have? Because how can they let like two kids run around the city through like actual like smugglers, canals, pathways, all that kind of stuff that they seemingly know where they are, but are like chill with her making huge golems and gingerbread men that can hold off an advancing army? Because like, <laughs> where, how? I just the the guards are so confusing to me. The policing <laughs> system was awful, and yet this green the green man whatever his name was was getting away with so much crime because of how incompetent they seemed to be. <laughs> yeah, because like it's 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 sort of explained that obviously Inquisitor Oberon 
has some guards that are like loyal to him but there's also a lot of guards that weren't so it yeah. feels weird that none of them at any point seem to have spoken up about what was going on and like guard joshua seemed to have like a fairly good head on his shoulders he seemed to know what he was doing half the time why is why does none of his personnel know what they're doing any yeah. of the time yeah oh my gosh he was um, the only guard with a personality and i loved him <laughs> anything else for the logic uh no i don't think so okay shall we move on to our last category then our enjoyment yeah. enjoyment 10 out of 10 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 <laughs> it um, was a damn good book it was a really fun read i really mm-hmm. enjoyed it mm-hmm. again it's 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 just lost a point because i feel like the the age targeting was just confused yeah and it just sort of threw me enough that I was just like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it took away some of the enjoyment for me because I was like, yeah. Am I supposed to be reading this as a middle grade book or as a YA book? Because that's different. The the kind of like puzzling dual ideas of kind of like yeah. balancing the middle gradeness and the YA ness. Some of it is not perfectly synced. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. Um, but. I, I had never read a T. Kingfisher book. You've read a couple of theirs before? I have. I read I read Nettle and Bone like mm, a year ago. I've never ago. read it. I've I quite enjoyed it. it. Mm-hmm. And I read Thornhedge like yeah. earlier this month and quite I've enjoyed that. Just bought it. I can't wait. Um but the first King to the first T. Kingfisher book, I think this was like the perfect entryway for me. Because mm. I had a great time. I love cozy books. Um, it's probably going to be in my top ten of the year. I won't lie. Interesting. I I really really love this, and probably also a defining factor of that I am now currently reading three ten T Kingfisher <laughs> books, and I finished one yesterday. <laughs> so, um, that probably adds to how much I probably love them now. Yeah, so, I would I would say so. Probably, that's probably why it's so high. It's because I was I'm just like mm. riding high on T Kingfisher train at the moment. So. Does that mean this is your highest book so far? Yeah. Interesting. It's I I don't want I don't want to give spoilers, but I, I it might be highest overall. Interesting. Out the, um, out of all the book club books this year, I know. Curious. Weird. I know. For me, it was tied with a na- not a natural history of dragons with Camp Damascus. Oh, is it? In third. Damn. Okay. I need to go back and actually like <laughs> see where I rated everything on a scale. I'll, I'll, make, think... I'll make one. <laughs> anyway, should we quickly go through some recommendations? Absolutely. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six, but I probably won't say six. <laughs> I've How got you have? seven. Oh, perfect. <laughs> but one of those is just other T. Kingfisher books. Oh, one of, one of them's another T. Kingfisher book. Oh, I've literally just written anything by T. Kingfisher, so... <laughs> That's the perfect then. Anything by T. Kingfisher, read them. They're great. Um, yeah, she's, the, she's she's good as T. Kingfisher. The one I literally finished yesterday was Illuminations. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah, which... T. Kingfisher's great with kind of, like, side companions who are sentient, much with, like, Bob and mm. the gingerbread men. And in that, there's a talking crow... And I love crows. I, I I adore crows, if you couldn't tell. 
Um, <laughs> and it ju- uh, that book is also a five stars for me. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. I read it over audiobook over two weeks. I had a it's it's so fun how they do painting. For I should actually probably say the plot of the book. It's um, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Ro- uh, I can only Rosa. That's her name. Oh my gosh. Um, Rosa uh, is from a family of illuminators who paint paintings onto things to give them magical properties like keeping uh, mice away from things or clearing up the city's water Um, and she's um, 12 I think maybe a bit older Um, and she's practicing and uh, her illumination making she's not been able to make one yet and she opens a box of something she shouldn't and I won't say much else because mayhem Mm. uh, ensues and it's so good it's so good, and the audiobook is fantastic. I have got it to listen to. There's there's cacaws in it. Point. They Incredible. say cacaw a lot, and I cacaw at you all the time. You do cacaw quite a lot, especially during D&D. <laughs> I, you can't blame me. My character's a crow, literally. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Yeah. Uh, what else have I put here? I'll sort of... I guess I could combine some of these. So, I will say... Mm. Uh, obviously, Ledges and Lattes. Yes, I have that uh, down as well. Bookshops are bone dust. Uh, can't spell treason without tea. Just like the, the cosy fantasy vibes. Yes, um, absolutely. They're they're fantastic. Especially mm-hmm. Ledges and Lattes and Bookshops are bone dust. Brilliant books. The fuck are you in... doing? I mean, to be fair, Bookshops yeah. are bone dust isn't out yet. But yeah, but it is if you up haven't in December. read Ledges and Lattes, <laughs> the fuck are you doing? November? Yeah. No, I think December. it's November it comes out. It's November it comes out, but we're doing it for December. Oh, right, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> yes, that is yeah. that is going to be our December book club book. I'm so excited to talk about that book. Yeah. I loved it. But what are you doing if you haven't read Legends and Lost? I know, right? Like, come on. Being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I will round off a couple too. I also put Legends of Lattes. I also put down Nimona. I put Nimona down too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See? So good. And if you you can watch the Netflix adaptation of it, it's also fantastic. Um, Nimona's a shapeshifter who um, never has been kind of like ousted by this town and it's her journey along with um, oh, Ballister. I, Ballister. Oh my gosh. I'm a fake fan. I'm a fake fan. <laughs> that uh, the graphic novel is amazing. Go read it. Um, I have one more graphic novel that I'll just mm. push in here at the same time. The Tea Dragon Society oh, by yes. Kay O'Neill. Good. Cozy shout. fantasticness mm. with um, tea that literally grows on dragons. It's D and D esque, which I think is really really fun. Um, yeah, they're they're perfect if you like this kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will also say um, T J Clune. Uh, House yes. of the Cerulean Sea, Under the Whispering Door, In that. the Lives of Puppets. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful, cosy, big recommend mm-hmm. on those ones. Um, Absolutely. And... Oh! <laughs> she's she's back. Becky Chambers! Um, yes! I had a Sam for the Wild Bill. Particularly <laughs> Sam for the Wild Bill and Prayer yes. for the Crown Shy. Lovely, cosy fantasy novels, novellas about a travelling tea monk and their uh, robot friend who are Mm -hmm. going around trying to work out, like, 
what humanity needs. It's beautiful. They're short. They're cozy. They're just like perfect. They're heartbreaking. It made me cry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we've established I cry really easily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Becky Chambers can do no wrong. Absolutely no wrong. I am currently listening to uh, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet as an audio I I... I may have snooped on your uh, story graph <laughs> and I saw that and I was like, yes! Because obviously, like, I've read the books, but I haven't read mm-hmm. The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet since, like, oh gosh, a long time ago now. Like, See, 2018, I 2019, oh, I think. Damn, okay. Um, I, I haven't, like, reread I reread it this them. year as well. I haven't reread them in ages. Uh, and I've been oh, using, little, little shout out here, Libro FM. Uh, it's an audiobook platform that is... Uh, an audible alternative um so good you can support like a local independent it. book stop book shore book shop book shore it's because i was saying book, book store and book shop at the same time <laughs> book shop you can support your local independent bookshop uh with all of your purchases or with like a, a monthly yeah. membership some of the money goes to the the bookshops um mm-hmm. which is so cute big shout I love out. That. and it's got like all the features you need you know you can change the yeah. speed and all this stuff there's a car mode. There is a car mode. Which is great. Um, this is great. I can pause it while I'm driving to, to uni in the morning. It's great. And they've got obviously loads and loads of audiobooks on there. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've been... I've I've got a monthly membership and I have been... It's so worth it. ...using my credits to get all of the uh, Wayfarer's books by Becky Chambers as audiobooks. Heck yes. Uh, for, my, for my commute to work. <laughs> <laughs> um... As you should, they're amazing. Uh, yeah, I love them, and it's really nice to be to be reading again, reading that that series again. It's so cozy and so yeah, bloody beautiful. Uh, oh. Do you have any more recommendations? I have one last one. As do I. Um, Go ahead. Okay, perfect. I haven't actually finished this book. I'm currently reading it. I'm just going really, really slow mm-hmm. with reading at the moment because uni is a, a, a hot... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah. um, it's Thistlefoot by Jenna Rose Nethercott. Mm-hmm. Nethercott? I think I so. believe so. Um, which is a Baba Yaga retelling with uh, puppets and I am ha- over halfway through. It is so fun. There's a lot of talk about... Judaism and religion and just general connection with family and it's both cozy and both really high stakes quite like this <laughs> um, but with an actual aged up appropriately kind of like I think they were over 20 um, is what they're aged as right. um, and they're 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 there's a lot of dichotomy between the the, the pair of twins that are the main characters um, and this threatening man who's following them around as they perform their puppet shows inside the chicken house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so fun. It's been so good. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last recommendation, um, more of a series than a specific book, but the Discworld books by Terry Pratchett. Sir Terry Pratchett. Absolutely. GNU, Sir Terry Pratchett. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this book, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, has a lot of a lot of the same vibes as a lot of the Discworld books. They have that same sort mm-hmm. of like funny satirical fantasy thing yeah. going on. Absolutely. So if you liked the sort of like themes of this book, I would I would mm-hmm. really recommend working your way through Discworld because they are so so good. So funny. Um and 
It is. So a, good. A, a genuinely lost talent. Um, yeah. On that one. Yeah. And I, because just for personal reasons, I'm going to jump in and say, if you have you have not started Discworld or you want something like this to start with Discworld, we, the We Free Men mm-hmm. is the start of, um, uh, is it Tiffany? Tiffany um, Aking, she, yes. Yeah. Uh, she just comes into, she finds out she's a witch and it's her going through trials and tribulations, discovering her powers and all that good stuff. And it's got a talking frog in it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree that those are the ones that are most like this. Um, yes, big absolutely. On that. They're my they're my favourite of this world yeah. as well. So <laughs> totally not biased in any way or shape or form. <laughs> but yeah. Um okay. That's it for the that's it for the episode. I believe so. I would just quickly like to <laughs> yeah. like to shout out a couple of things because I mentioned Libro FM. Uh, yes, firstly, okay, they have a an offer on at the moment where if you sign mm. up for a monthly membership, they have a code that gives you an extra credit for your first month, so you get two credits right away. Heck yes. Which is very exciting. So, you know take advantage. <laughs> uh, oh, and our book for next month. Yes. Good. <laughs> our book for well next remembered. month. <laughs> it's something. It's something. It is the Red Scholar's Wake. <laughs> by Aliette de Bodard. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, join us in November to hear our thoughts on on I that know. one. Uh, I've I not know. started it yet. Eve has, uh, but we'll get to <laughs> yeah. those thoughts next month. I sure have. <laughs> I've sure started it. <laughs> um, so, mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's us. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us at the Tavern. Eve, where can our dear listeners find you? outside of the podcast well little me is on uh instagram twitter uh and uh youtube all that good stuff uh and tiktok i didn't say tiktok <laughs> um under cozy crow with an s not a z um yeah uh phoenix where can they find you i am on twitter instagram and threads at beans and fungi super duper simple and mm-hmm. what about the podcast, Eve? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> um, make sure you follow us on our Instagram, Hearth and Tome Pod, uh, Twitter, Hearth and Tome, and TikTok, Hearth.and.tome, to get updates about episodes, behind the scenes clips, and all that good stuff. Yeah, and keep an eye on your podcast feeds, of course, for Talking in the Tavern as well, which is our other show. Yes where we talk about book stuff, but not about, like, yeah. a specific book. Uh, don't yeah. miss out. They've been some... Just general. They've, they've, they've been some bangers so far. Yeah. And uh, we've got some... We've only got one more this year, our November one. Mm-hmm. And then we've got something a little bit special for December. Yeah. So I'm currently hacking away yeah, at. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, can, you can look forward to those. So keep an eye out Heck yes. on the feed. Uh, we have stuff up all the time yeah mm-hmm. thank you so much for listening to us today yeah um, yeah yeah bye, <laughs> bye.
music used within this episode was Midnight Tale by Kevin MacLeod through Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <laughs>